So taking a break is fine as long as you have the mindset and the confidence to understand that that is natural, that you having a break is normal and coming back to work after it will be a re-energizing and refreshing experience. Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to episode 131 of the Job Hunting Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about sabbaticals, how to plan for one, how to really enjoy your career break, and how to come back swinging. So if this is a topic of interest to you, please keep on listening. My name is Renata Bernardi. I'm a career coach, and I help professionals look for jobs, find better opportunities, advance in their careers, where they work or somewhere else. And I have never been busier. <laughs> I thought I was busy during the pandemic. Now that things are going back to normal, I find myself even busier. So I'm very grateful to have so many followers here on the Job Hunting Podcast, so many listeners. If you haven't yet signed up for my newsletter, I send out a weekly newsletter with the new episode of the Job Hunting Podcast as well as a whole range of articles for you to read if you're job hunting or if you're a career enthusiast and you're interested in the job market, just to keep a finger on the pulse of, of what's going on, then the newsletter might be a good opportunity for you. So go to the links in the show notes below and you will find the link to sign up to my newsletter and I'd love to have you there. Now, I've been thinking of doing an episode about sabbaticals for a long time, I think since the beginning of the show. So before the pandemic, I was already very keen to talk about sabbaticals. But every time I try to invite guests to talk to me about their sabbaticals, they didn't want to. They did not feel comfortable coming out publicly to talk about the sabbaticals. And that made me even more interested in the whole concept of what they were calling a sabbatical and how they were presenting it to be and what it actually was and what makes it for an enjoyable break where you feel confident, where you are enjoying a break when you're also successfully returning to work. And I think that that return to work is the piece where I really worry about and I'm more concerned and where I find I get clients <laughs> because they come back from a break and they don't find it easier to return back to work. In this case, I am defining sabbatical as a break that you take. And some people use sabbaticals just to explain a paid leave, a leave that you take from work, but you will come back to that same job. I think of sabbatical as a more sort of broader uh, definition where you may or may not come back to work. You may call it sabbatical and it's in fact a career break and you are between jobs. You are in what's called frictional unemployment. So you're, you're coming back from a career break and then you engage in frictional unemployment, which is that space that happens between two jobs, right? When you're looking for work, to me, that's, that's in fact work. You're working. You're working for yourself. So this episode will be very chit-chatty and about my reflection reflections on what sabbatical is and the best ways to go about planning for it, the best way to make the most out of it. And
and and also you know what I have noticed are successful strategies for your return. My understanding was that the people that I invited to be guests on this episode about sabbaticals were only keen to speak to me once they did get their jobs when they got their next jobs. And this is this goes to show the great taboo around taking a career break that we face as professionals. You know, people sometimes see others doing it or they understand the concept, but when it happens to you, then all of a sudden you have an issue with it. <laughs> so why is that? Let's look into this and make sure that we don't, you know, hinder our opportunities to enjoy life. We are going to have great long careers. Sometimes we will be working, you know, some of you will be working for 30, 40 years, 50 years. So taking a break is fine as long as you have the mindset and the confidence to understand that that is natural, that you having a break is normal and coming back to work after it will be a re-energizing and refreshing experience. Over the past few years in Australia, three prominent professionals decided to take career breaks. And the first one uh, that I noticed recently was the premier of Tasmania, who bailed out of his job saying, and I quote, there's nothing left in the tank. Peter Gatwain resigned from his job of being a politician after, you know, a few years of incredible difficult times for his state of Tasmania facing the COVID-19 pandemic affecting not only the health sector and all of the constituents there, the sickness and all of that, but also killing the tourism sector, which is such an important part of that beautiful and remote state. So I can understand how he felt like, you know, I need a break from this now that we're on the other side and things are more stable, he felt it was time for him to spend time with his family and take a break. So good on him. And I think it's brave and courageous and also important for people to see and and and, and hear about others taking those time offs. The second person that I like to mention here is also an Australian, and he's the CEO of the Australian Football League, Gillam McLachlan. Now, this is a very high profile man leading a, a much loved sport in Australia. And he resigned from his job at the top of his game with plans to spend more time with his family. And when he resigned, a lot of the articles in the news were about him, you know, joining the great resignation. So people were very much correlating Gillen's resignation with the great resignation, the great reset, and the fact that so many professionals are finding it hard to carry on after two very intense years of high responsibility for these leaders. And, you know, for everyone, you know, at the ground, you know, on the ground, working nonstop, as well as, you know, managing large teams and, and, you know, a lot of big decisions about, in his case, do we have games? Do we cancel games? All of these things. I remember the last event that I went just before everything shut down was an AFL game. 
was the finals for the women's AFL league, and and it was fantastic. Katy Perry was singing. There were lots of people on the stadium, and I was starting to think, oh my god, should I be here? It was at that time when we didn't really know what we were doing, and you know, it was the last time that I went to a very big event in a long, long time. And then finally this week, my friend and a guest of this podcast, I will put a link below to Nick George's um, episode, which was all about leading in the times of the pandemic. We had a conversation early in the pandemic in 2020, and he, uh, until very recently, was the CEO of a boutique chocolate brand in Australia called Coco Black, which you know, has the most delicious, gorgeous chocolates. And during the pandemic, can you imagine all the shops were closed and open and hard to, you know, know what to do next. And he announced that he is stepping down. He was stepping down from that row. Another CEO has already been announced. Now, Nick had been posting on LinkedIn throughout the pandemic and sharing the challenges of leading and keeping a bit the business alive during extreme uncertainty during those lockdowns, especially in Australia, it has been so hard. And Coco Black is mainly based in Melbourne, and Melbourne has the hardest, harshest lockdowns in the world. So in his post announcing his departure, he mentioned that to operate at the level needed to keep the business thriving took a real toll on his health and he needed time out to recover from it. And that level of vulnerability and authenticity is so Nick and so important for leaders in 2022 to acknowledge and embrace. And I'm very proud of what he's done. And I know that he will be, you know, fine when he comes back. And I think, you know, he's young and he um, has a great career ahead of him and taking a few months, a year even out of, uh, you know, work to focus on his health will only make his the rest of his career better. So all these jobs that I mentioned and these professionals, these jobs are big. You know, they're very big. These professionals were at the top of their game and they decided that they needed a break. So you may also be thinking you need a break, right? I've been talking about taking a break even before this pandemic. You know, I remember the first time I ran the Reset Your Career workshop, which you can find more information about in the link below in this episode description or the YouTube description. I've been talking about how to take breaks to manage your burnout, to make sure that you make the best career decisions for a long time. And People now use this word sabbatical to explain, you know, their, their time out. And where does that word come from? Do you know? Well, let me tell you, it comes from the Hebrew word of Sabbath or, or Shabbat. So it, it is a Shabbat or Sabbath is a weekly day of rest for Judaism and Christianity. It's a time of worship given in the Bible as the seventh day. So if you are a Jew, you know this, you know, you will stop uh, working on a Friday afternoon before sunset. And from uh, sunset Friday afternoon to sunset Saturday, you don't work. <laughs> and, you know, I have a friend, uh, he's a good friend, we've been friends for years, and he is an Orthodox Jew. And he told me it's such a great thing to not look at your phone for that 
24 hours to not think about work or do anything related to work for that 24 hours. And many times I've just decided to do my own Shabbat, you know, be it on a Friday to Saturday or any other day and just take that day off. And it's been great, you know, whenever I decide to do that, I wish I was more consistent with that practice, like some of the more Orthodox Jews are. And sabbatical and, and that rest or that break from work is such a great concept. And I think it's a, a wonderful thing to do. Now, the sabbatical has comes from the word Sabbath, but is related to agriculture in the first place. So it, it was the year-long break from working in the fields. And so every seven years, there will be a one year where you would give the fields a break. Now, if you work in agriculture, you know how important it is to do that rotation. I come from a town in Brazil and a, a region in Brazil that plants a lot of coffee. And nearby, there are, always, there are also lots of areas that plant cane. And if you just keep planting and planting and planting, you deplete the soil from everything good in it, especially cane and coffee. So you need to do those rotations and you need to give the land a break. So that's where the word sabbatical comes from. But it now is used to mean rest or break from work. And it it's usually rather lengthy and intentional. And you take a break from your career. And it has been institutionalized by many employers. Is. Academics especially have the, the opportunity to qualify for paid sabbaticals and some employers that are not higher education institutions also have paid sabbaticals as an employee benefit. And especially in America, I see a lot of clients of mine when they receive salary packages, the sabbatical leave is discussed and included. So in Australia, we have have many opportunities to do sabbaticals through a leave that we call here the long service leave. And there is an interesting story behind the long service leave. Australia was colonized by English men and women, and the long service leave was an opportunity for them to, after many years in Australia, go back to England and visit their family and their relatives and their friends. So that's that's how the long service leave came about. So I believe it's around, let's say, seven years of work, and then you get four months of leave or something like that. And even the time that you get was enough to you know, book, a, a, you know, a, a ship <laughs> to go on a ship back to England that would probably take a month and then stay in England for a couple of months and then hop on the ship back to Australia and it would be another month. You know what I mean? So it needed to be long. Isn't that interesting? Now, most employees in Australia have that entitlement of long service leave and each state or territory in Australia has different laws. And even if you're working as a casual, if you're a long serving casual, you may be eligible for longest long service leave in Australia. So take a look at that. I think it's still wonderful that we have that because Australia is a country of migrants. There are so many people in Australia that come from all over the world. I come from Brazil. In Australia, we have people from Lebanon, from China, from Vietnam, Cambodia, India, 
Europe, all over, um, still a lot of people from Great Britain. So having that lo long service leave after working for the same employer for so many years is a great benefit. However, I have to say it's more, it's rarer and rarer these days that you will stay for that long with the same employer, right? So And, you know, some career experts only think of sabbatical as a leave, paid or unpaid, but understanding that the professional is still linked to an employer. So having that extended break, but coming back to do the same job. So... For example, I personally have had a sabbatical per se. I took, I've applied for and requested and got approved a three month unpaid leave from my job at Monash University when I was working as the manager of the governance unit at the business school, the faculty of business. And the reason why I asked for that break was because I was very unwell. I was recovering from surgery. I had already used up all of my sick leave and most of, I think, probably all of my annual leave. So whatever leave I had, I had already used it all up trying to recover from the pain that I was feeling on my back. And I had back surgery and the back surgery didn't really help with my pain. And I was still very unwell. And I wanted to test if stopping work would make my pain go away because my job requires me to sit for long periods of time. You know well, if you're listening to this podcast, you're also a white collar worker. And at that time, we didn't have standing tables. I don't remember standing tables being a thing yet. They were probably just starting to pop up. This was basically 2006 and seven. It was a long time ago. And um, Monash had an amazing support system for me. And I had a nurse that was following up with me constantly, but I was still unwell. So I still stayed home. I just had a rest. I just, what I remember watching a lot of West Wing and going for walks and doing physio and um, going for my doctor's appointments and doing a lot of physio, as I said, and massages and trying to figure out how to get better. And if work was really making it worse, I found out that work wasn't making it worse. I was actually feeling more pain at home because I was less distracted by work and responsibility. So I was very happy to go back to work after three months, even though uh, that pain and that issue was unresolved back then. You know, the good thing is that I, I, I haven't had severe back pain in a long, long time. So that's great news. And I worked very hard to overcome the issues that I had with my back. So I'm glad that it worked out in the end. That's a topic from a, for another day. <laughs> But that goes to show that, you know, you can take a sabbatical for anything, even if it's, you know, recovering from a bad spell of health issues like I, I had. Now, how to plan for a sabbatical, right? Let's talk about planning for a sabbatical. We've spoken about what it is and where, you know, the word comes from and how we define it. Our definition here for this episode is very broad. It's any type of career break, be it one that you take with the approval of your employer or, you know, you take because you left your employment right? So how do you do that? Well, first of all, let's talk about the forced break. Like the break that I had, that three-month break, I really had to take that break. I was at a point where I thought I couldn't work anymore, right? So I needed to take time out to figure out what to do with my back. Now, this is the worst case scenario. It's to do, you know, it's to do with your health. And 
um, since then, you know, since that scary time and after fully recovering from my back issues, and it, it takes a while for you to fully recover and get accepted in all of your insurance policies. So I'm going to talk about insurance. I decided to take up quite a lot of insurance after that. And I have an insurance agent. Her, her name is Jennifer. And she and I, what we talk for hours each year, a couple of hours each year, reviewing all of my insurances, making sure I'm not overpaying and finding the right balance between my benefits and what I'm willing to pay annually to be eligible for things like income protection. You know, those income protection insurances here in Australia, they are tax deductible. I believe in the US and the UK is the same, but please check it. This is not financial advice. This is just somebody talking from their own experience on how they realize that having income protection is important. So take note if you um, get sick and if you start feeling unwell for an extended period of time. I recently have felt quite unwell for an extended period of time. Last year, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you may have noticed from time to time I have mentioned that I have had some health issues. And Jennifer suggested that I had to take notes because if you want to activate your income protection, you know, it usually has like a a four month sort of time frame for it to kick in. So if you can show that you've been unwell for, let's say, four months, then it kicks in straight away as soon as you apply for it, if that makes sense. I've had several clients who have been in this tough, tough situation, and they have sometimes not even noticed that they could very well be applying for income protection. So I've, you know, I've mentioned like they were talking to me in a 30-minute call and discussing their issues and what situation that they were in. And I'm like, well, do you have income protection? Have you considered contacting your insurance to discuss your your ability to access income protection? And that's when they realize that maybe they should. (laughs) So something to think about and to consider, you may already even have income protection and you don't even know. So I think if it is like what I call a forced break, think about those opportunities there to access the support that you already have in place. The second sabbatical I want to talk to you about is the break when you still have a job and it can be done. And I always recommend it to people that call me and they, um, you know, and I get those calls. As you know, you can go on my website and book a consultation with me like you would book a consultation with a doctor, you know, a psychologist or a physiotherapist. You can you can go there, go to my calendar, book a time, pay and talk to me. So many times people book a consultation because they really want to, you know, leave their jobs. They they have made a decision already. They're going to quit. And somebody has told them that before they quit, they need to talk to me. And I think that that's very kind. I'm very grateful for those amazing friends and colleagues that tell people that they should talk to me first before making that big move. And I tell them, you know, tell me how many days of annual leave you have. And they will say something like, oh, I have a, probably have three or four weeks. And I'm like, have you considered instead of resigning, take 
taking a full week break. I, I don't understand why people don't think about that, but they don't, you know. And even if it's, you know, you don't have any more leave, let's say something really uh, bad's happening at work, you, you know, this might be cause for a mental health day. This might be cause for you to take time off. I would suggest that you use any volunteering opportunities because you may just need a break from the work environment. And many companies these days and for a long time have offered their employees a couple of days to go and do volunteering work, a half day to go give blood, do whatever you can to be away from work, to clear your mind, right? All of those sabbaticals, big or small, Sabbath or sabbaticals, <laughs> they are going to be super useful for you. In the Reset Your Career program that I have developed for people that are in that sort of state of mind where they are really, oh my God, really ready for a reset. They really need help. They really need some guidance. I designed the program just for this. It's there. It's on my website. It's ready for you. The first masterclass in that workshop is all about these ideas of creating those those timeouts for you. Okay, and uh, I would recommend that um, you consider getting the Reset Your Career Workshop as part of your planning of of your sabbatical or your career break. So you have those long service leaves, you, you may be able to apply for sabbatical. Now, mind you, I have lots of friends who are academics and and people that have sabbatical in their um, salary negotiations and stuff like that. It's not easy to apply for sabbatical, my friends, let me tell you. It is not easy. It's a, th a thorough process and it can take a year for it to be approved or more. So it, you might go through the entire process and, and it won't be approved for this year, maybe next year, and it can be frustrating. So just letting you know that if you have the plan to take a year off, then start thinking about it as soon as possible, right? If you love your job and you, you want to carry on working where you are, but you're interested just in having that year off, I'm with you 100%. I know a lot of people that have that in their plans. Some clients of mine have that in their plans and we're working towards that years in advance. Okay, so just something to think about. The other thing that you want to think about when planning your sabbatical is building yourself a runway. So in business, the runway is the amount of time that a company has before it runs out of cash. So when I t I'm talking about your personal runway is building yourself the savings to allow you to have your sabbatical. You know, sometimes sabbaticals as part of your salary packaging will be paid. Sometimes it's just an opportunity for you to be away, but it's unpaid. If you have been laid off or made redundant, you know, you it, your, your sabbatical is totally funded by you. So you need to plan how many months you're going to be out of work and start saving to bank yourself, to help yourself have that time out. Okay, so ways of increasing your savings substantially is to volunteer and accept a redundancy package. You may seek it out. You know, some people that come to me for uh, coaching, they are quite upset about their redundancies. 
But there are a few people, and we should take a leaf out of their books. They really enjoy the redundancies and they seek them out. And these are people that are very confident about their careers and they know that they can find another job, but they seek out redundancies because they are middle managers. They know that redundancies are often going to happen in, you know, restructures are common in their line of work and they know that it has nothing to do with them. And you should know that too. It's just how businesses uh, need to work for mergers and acquisitions and restructures and growth and, and whatnot. So they seek it out because with that, they can pay their mortgages, they can have a sabbatical, they can spend time studying and so on. So some people are very comfortable with the idea of being made redundant. So that's something that if a sabbatical is something that's part of your dream of your one of your goals, then seeking out a redundancy is something that you might be able to do. The other way of doing is, is of course, to reduce your expenses. So in the Reset Your Career, we have a, a masterclass about how to do that and how to do that in a way that is fun, that is a project. And we have, you know, funny names for the different budgets. I'm not going to tell you much more about it. But yeah, that's um, uh, one of the masterclasses that I get more feedback and comments about and people really enjoy it. And you can also plan a career break from your actual profession and seek a completely different job. You know, that's a different idea as well. So taking a break from your nine to five white collar job where you're sitting at a desk and doing something of, you know, much responsibility and then, you know, seeking out a sabbatical where you will still be earning some money, maybe just enough to pay the bills. But let's say you might drive an Uber or I have a uh, somebody I know in New Zealand and she owns a flower farm and she has a little cottage uh, at her farm and some people come from all over the world to help her pick the flowers during the you know the season where where it needs to be done and yeah, so there's everything is provided that the little house and food and, you know, maybe some cash. I don't know how, how it, it's done. But I at the time I went to visit her, there was a couple from the UK there. And this is in New Zealand in the most beautiful part of the world. You know, you could move to a touristic place and, and, and be a waitress. And don't think that you can just get a job as a waitress if, you know, there's a lot of people. If you're listening to this a few years from now, you might have lots Lots of people also doing the same thing. But right now, especially around Australia, because there aren't that many uh, backpackers here, we have such demand for people to do that type of, of job. You know, the Grand Prix happened in Melbourne a few weeks ago and my husband went and he said the queues, the lines for coffees or beer or anything were huge because they couldn't find enough workers to work at the Grand Prix. And, you know, frankly, it pays really well. <laughs> and um, you could be working in a beautiful part of the world and um, having your break from your career. And it doesn't mean that you have to use up all your savings. You can still pay the bill somehow by having um, different types of jobs. 
So that's another way to to plan a career break. Now, the, the other way that I think it's really important to think of it is having this timeline where let's say you think, okay, I, I just need six months off, right? And then you take six months off. And guess what, my friend, you come back to your job search and you find it really hard to find a job. So you have to think about the timeline, including your job search period. And job searches, depending on what type of role that you are seeking out, can take a long time. When you think you're done is when you start looking for work again, right? So you think you're done with your sabbatical, then you start looking for work, and then it's another six months of looking for work. It could be even longer. That can be a long period, especially if you have not planned ahead. And that's the next stage of planning ahead is warming up your connections to make your return to work easier. Okay. Letting people know that you are on a six month break. And after that break, you you will be seeking opportunities. So Nick Georges, when he posted on uh, LinkedIn announcing that he was stepping down from the CEO role, that's exactly what he said. He said, I'm taking three months off and then I'm going to be back. So I will have a link to his post so that you can read and see how he's done it. And I think it's important for you to do that, warming up your connections, making sure that people know exactly what's going on with you. Explain what the opportunity is for you, what you're seeking out to do. Clarify that for your um, professional network. Meet and touch base with your close professional network so they know what you're planning to do and, and, and do that before you go on your sabbatical and and then do that again when you're returning back from your sabbatical. So touching base before and after your break is important. I have clients who have booked and uh, to speak with me uh, for the 30-minute free onboarding for, for my coaching program to understand how the coaching works and to pencil in their return. They are now on a break. I have a two people that are now on a career break. These are people that have had very difficult jobs during the pandemic and they could not seek work because it, it was just that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. People that are working in government um, departments or, you know, high level executives or even people that are change managers, you know, working at um, that sort of really hard implementation of rapid change that, that occurred during the pandemic. They are now on a career break and they are penciled in to work with me when they return later this year. And I think that that's wonderful that they know that they need a coach and it's all sort of set. And I I think it gives people a a good sense of relaxation. Like I can relax. I can enjoy this break. I have everything set out. So when I return, I know that I I can quickly work with Renata and get my act together and uh, start looking for jobs in a very efficient way. Now, how to enjoy your sabbatical. The best part, isn't it? (laughs) Make plans for what you want to do do during your break and then be kind to yourself because guess what? Chances are you're not going to make everything that you planned for. You know, we have high expectations for the time that we have and then we realize that time just flies and, you know, you won't do everything you plan, but have a curated list, have a bucket list, the must do list of things that you want to achieve during your break and 
celebrate your achievements. Now, some people do fancy sabbaticals where they go on a trip to Europe or they do a fancy executive education programs. But a lot of people have told me, Renata, I just went for long walks. That's all I did. <laughs> And, you know, some people rent a house somewhere and move with their family somewhere different. The kids go to the local school and they, they do that for six months. And that's great. That can be in France, but that can be just somewhere in your country, you know, just a few hours away, just something to take your mind off your, your work and just move maybe to a, a quiet town if you live in a busy city or vice versa. You might take a sabbatical to do gardening, to go on a road trip, to visit family and friends, to renovate your house and do DIY work, to focus on your health, on studying something different, on a hobby that you love. So there are lots of ways of enjoying time away from work. And how do you make a successful comeback? This is the part where I think a lot of people struggle with is returning to work. If you're still working for the same company, before you go, just check the rules before you leave. I think it's very important. And this is a lesson learned from working with women that go on maternity leave and then they come back and they find that they are They are fish out of the water. They, their jobs don't exist anymore. You know, the, the, the policies allow the company to move them around and make their jobs slightly different or very different. Remember that while, and also remember that while you're on sabbatical, you're still an employee. If you're taking a paid sabbatical or an unpaid sabbatical and you're still supposed to come back and work for that company, you're still bound by NDAs that you've uh, signed. You know, you cannot have any conflict of interest and work for other companies. There's confidentiality involved and so on. And remember that what you say may impact your return. So if you're going to be very vocal and some sort of advocacy and platform, and you know, these are things that you might need to clear out with your company before you leave. Okay, so make sure you do that. Now, for those of you that are taking your own sabbaticals and you're not going back to your company, you, you know, you're in between jobs, then you need to go back to your job search, right? And the best way is to ease into a routine, build daily habits and learn to job search efficiently. I have a free resource for that to kickstart your job search. It's called the Optimized Job Search Schedule. It's a workbook and a masterclass that teaches you how to build a weekly schedule and the distribution of tasks that you need to do to get yourself into the the work mode that is job searching. It's very different from your professional work mode. So if you are a manager, an engineer, if you are, you know, um, whatever it is that you do, marketer, job searching is different and the distribution of work is important for you to understand. And that's why this is a free resource. Go and download it. There's a link to it in the episode show notes. Easy to find on my website. And you have to ease into that routine. So maybe start with the light version of the schedule, then move to part time and then move to full time. There's no point after having such a wonderful time out <laughs> going straight into a full time working week as a job searcher. You're going to find it really hard. Looking for work is a nine to five job. But what I'm saying is start with two to five 
and then establish something that you can do consistently. There's no point in working nine to five Monday, Tuesday, and then not doing anything Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's not going to work for you. I have a client who had a, a sabbatical and has just started working with me. And that's exactly what I told her to do. You know, she's going to be working two to three, then two to four, then two to five p.m. That's p.m. by the way, afternoons every day, building slowly her time back. And yeah, there's no hurry for her. So that's great. And it will be, you know, very effective to do that over time. You might think, oh, that's too slow for me. You would be surprised. Yeah, you don't you don't want to crash and burn as a job hunter. There's nothing worse than peaking during the job search and then crashing and burning at a job interview. And that's very common. Just let me tell you. <laughs> and think the thing is, no one really cares that you've been away. So don't worry so much about being away from the, the the work. You know, I think a lot of people envy sabbaticals, make you feel confident about the time, the choice you've made and or if it was made for you, embrace it. Make yourself useful to your professional community. Let them know that you're back, that you're here to help. Do they need anything from you? You know, I think people are very transactional when they are anxious about getting a job and they forget to serve. So never forget to serve, you know, make yourself useful to those that are working full time and feeling burnt out and stressed out. Here you are coming back full of energy, serve your community and invest in help. If you have been away for a long time, if you're not an experienced job hunter, you may need a coach, right? It might be counterintuitive to invest when you've been saving and, you know, you're not earning much or you're earning nothing at all, but you might be just reinventing the wheel when there is so much that you can learn from working with a career coach that can help you speed up your process and get yourself into your next job sooner. I hope you've enjoyed this chit chat and I would love to work with you. If there's anything that I can do, just go to the links and find me. You can also try to spell my name and find me on my website. It's www.renatabernardi.com. That's R-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-E.com. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.